Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. Uh, you know, you guys that listen to this on a regular basis know that I don't always know, you know, I don't put these out like in a special order or a special time. Um, I really try to to have things come out in a to mix up the podcast. But uh, we are recording this podcast right after Thanksgiving. Um, and I want to put that in context between Thanksgiving and between Christmas, because I think this is a really interesting time of year. Uh, I noticed for myself, I started calling it the purgatory, the ho- holiday purgatory, because we, you know, we, we get all ramped up for Thanksgiving, the holiday season flips on, and there's all the wonderful things about that, the food, the decorations, the like vibe and the energy. But then we also have the challenges of our families, um, the challenges of going to work when it feels like maybe we should just be sipping hot cocoa in front of a fireplace. Um we then run through Thanksgiving and then it's like, oh, you got to go back to work for a few weeks before we ramp it all up again for Christmas and New Year's. And in the midst of that, you should be shopping and spending all the money that you may or may not have. And also in the background of it all, you know, you probably want to show up places like looking your best. You want to have dates for Christmas parties. Um, maybe your relationships are going well. Maybe they're not. Maybe your kids want things that you can't afford to get them. But there's a lot happening in this period of like November through the new year. And some of it's, like I said, some of it's, it can be really extraordinary and wonderful. And some of it is really challenging. And I know that one of the things for me that is really important in my life that has supports me to, I want to say, be successful or uh, make it through maybe some of these often trying and challenging times is self-care and self-love. And I have a really strong practice with that. I Whether it be from waking up and getting to yoga or working out and spending time in a jacuzzi just by myself, rehearsing gratitude to uh, maybe waking up a little early so I can meditate. Uh, and even times like between calls with clients where I might just stop and like lie down on the floor, close my eyes and just breathe and let everything be quiet for a few minutes. But I have all these different things to take care of myself. And and I bring this because I think this at this time of year, this is even more important than at other times of year because there's just so much more action going on. And my guest today is an expert in self-love. And is someone who I love that she describes herself on her third or even fourth life. And she continues to reinvent herself. But self-love is at the core and the foundation of all of it. My guest today is a um, well-being therapist. She's also an author. She co-authored the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You. She's a mother. And she calls herself a nana also. 
And she, uh, Jamie, you are, Jamie Lerner is my guest, and you're coming to me from uh, Chicago, and I'm probably freezing there. How are you, Jamie? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, today, it's actually very sunny, and it's in the 40s, so that feels warm to us. And yeah, it's a beautiful day here. That's funny, because it's raining here in San Diego, and it's like 50 degrees. So. <laughs> 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 well, I think you guys need a little contrast, actually. There's way too much beautiful weather and sunshine there. So. Right. Yeah. It's not bad. It's like, so Jamie, thanks for, thanks for being here. I told you when we hopped on before we started recording that I love the timing. Um, I, I did not, you know, my, uh, one of the people on my team met you, found you, booked you. And so when I started doing my research at the beginning of this week, I went, wow, that is pretty incredible that the universe um, happened to put us together at this time because I don't think they did that intentionally. I don't think my mm -hmm. people did that intentionally. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. What, you know, you what do you, when you look at this time of year, what do you notice about like self-love or lack of? Well, I really like what you said in terms of your daily practices, because I think it really all begins with ourselves starting from the first thing in the morning, that we really must address ourselves um, in a loving way before we can embrace others with that love and care. And we forget, we forget quite often because we are so busy taking care of others without nourishing and nurturing ourselves into connection first and foremost. So that was a really good reminder when you were describing yourself and your practices. And, and I think that it's good that people are reminded of that and that it's a lovely option that we take care of ourselves first. I get, I hear a lot of people that don't have the, I want to say tra maybe training or foundation um, when it comes to like self-love and really taking care of themselves first, that there's a, there's a belief that sometimes that can be like selfish, that when we worry about ourselves first, we're being selfish. What do you, what do you have to say? Or like, what do you have around that? I think that when we give people permission to embrace themselves, to think of themselves, to care for themselves, that that is often enough, but people do need permission. However, when you get on an airplane, that's the first thing that they say to you, that you need to put your own oxygen mask on first before you're assisting others. And that includes small children that you might be traveling with. So, you know, I think once again, that giving people permission is important and i think people are receptive to that then they go like oh yeah like this is important and i can do this for me first and then i can do it so much better for others oftentimes i think that we hide behind our roles especially as women and mothers and care sometimes we hide behind our roles as mothers and caretakers and or maybe it's our job so that we can sidestep the most important relationship that we will ever have and that is the relationship with ourselves what for for the people that are listening because i think this is m most people actually that don't have the 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 foundation or the practice that you and i have of taking care of ourselves first and cultivating that. 
What are some are, are or are there some like basic, easy, foundational ways to start practicing to start exercising that muscle? I think there are, and they're very basic. The first thing is to adjust yourself in the morning first and foremost. And sometimes that means just sitting quietly with yourself and quieting the mind chatter. Mind chatter is that kind of noise that is kind of going on in the background that we're not even aware of what that internal dialogue is all about. So if we could just quiet it, not even try to listen for what it's all about, but just quiet it and give ourselves a few minutes in the morning to just focus on something that we really appreciate about ourselves. What I know my, that chatter in my mind is like really loud. Like it is, (laughs) you know, um, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the structures and the practices just don't. And I, and I'm saying like, I have practice with this. Like I have a lot of facility for for people that are listening that don't, what are some ways to quiet that chatter, to slow it down, to give yourself an opportunity to not just get so wrapped up in it? I think breathing really helps and laughing also really helps because then when you stop and listen for what that mind chatter is all about, you will really laugh because there is nobody that you would ever speak to the way you're speaking to yourself. And most of it's not even true. So it's kind of like this running dialogue that we're having with ourselves about all the things that are really not even true, certainly not in our now. Mm-hmm. And um, and it can only be funny because usually it's a lot of self-deprecation. <laughs> it's a lot of negativity. It's a lot of saying things to ourselves that, Really, we wouldn't say to another person. So, and I think we're really not even aware of what that whole thing is. Um, Isolating that and addressing it specifically, I think that does not, that's not really helpful first thing in the morning. But you might get to that another time with something called loving curiosity. Will you say more about that? Like loving curiosity? Yes. I think that when we become curious about ourselves, that we're consciously opening ourselves up in the most loving ways to just gently listen for the way we're speaking to ourselves about ourselves. And once again, when we really break that down, we can only laugh because it's ridiculous. There's no way that any of it is true. I would say 99% of it is not true. But I think it's just some things that we've heard from maybe family of origin or from our past, or it just becomes something that we've recited over and over and over again unconsciously. And so we've just kind of taken it on as part of who we are. And it's kind of nonsense. So I spend a lot of time with people laughing because um, it's it is funny. It's very funny. It could only be funny. <laughs> it's, I love that. So my, um, when I was a little kid, my grandfather would, uh, like fa- had it like a fake laugh that he could just like, he could change the tone and the cadence 
and just like it, 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 it would go through his whole body and he would do that. And as a little kid, it would make me laugh. And it was this thing. And somewhere along the way, like I was have been able to like replicate that. And I didn't realize like I learned it from him. But one day I was kind of doing it. And my brother and my cousin both were like, oh, my God, that's grand- that's grand- grandpa used to do that. <laughs> and I just recently was hanging out with my cousin and her best friend. And she said something and she goes, God, you're not even going to laugh. And I then did this. Laugh, fake laugh. And I and I went on and on and on again and adjusted the cadence and the tone and did the whole thing. And she was like, you know, started laughing too. And then afterwards went, does it make you happy to do that? And I had that moment where I went, it makes me so happy. Not only does it remind me of my grandfather, um, but the the actual act of laughing, even though I wasn't laughing at anything or wasn't happy, created all the feelings of happiness inside of me. And then when I was done, I was happy as if I had actually been happy. Yes. It, laughter is a wonderful way to reconnect yourself with yourself. It's, it's, it's great. It really is. And laughter is not sidestepping the emotional content, but it is allowing us to kind of take a breath and take a step back so that we actually can address the emotional content you know, the content. Mm. What do you, you know, I started this conversation sharing a lot about like the holidays and, um, and the, the challenging and the ups and downs as a well-being therapist. Are there things that show up around this time of year that you're working with your clients on or that you're advising people are talking about that could help all of us? You know, whether it be Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, you know, whatever, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, I, I start I put out an inspirational message every day on Facebook and I start a few weeks before the, each holiday. And, you know, the opening is always home for the holidays. And I think it's really such an interesting time because we do this number on ourselves. It's like the ultimate mind, F-U-C-K where we're anticipating all of these things that are going to happen when we go home for the holidays. And as we're doing this, we're really revving ourselves up for something that maybe is not going to happen at all. Mm -hmm. So I really ask people to take a step back and to figure out the way they want things to unfold when they go home to prepave the experience, to really prepare themselves to have like the best time ever. And I get a lot of resistance initially because people really want to talk about the way that they know things are going to be instead of the way that they want things to be. But the interesting thing about that is what we think about is what we get. And you ask people all day long what they want, and they tell you all day long what they do not want. So when you can get people to talk about what they want and the way that they want things to unfold, that's the way it happens for them. Mm. So to take a little time to prepave what it feels like for you to go home the way you want it to feel, the way you want things 
to go in terms of interactions between family members or friends or whoever. And it's such a great exercise for people. And the feedback always is after they've pre-paved that experience is, oh my goodness, I went home and the whole thing unfolded exactly the way I wanted it to. It's like I rehearsed it and it was amazing. And I was like, yeah, and that's a lovely option for pretty much everything. It's called consciously creating our experience. Instead of just kind of going with kind of this, I don't know, unconscious default programming, which most people do, especially before the holidays. So yeah, I love I love the idea. So I'm I'm very big. I I look at this as like you're setting your intention and then it becomes you become part of the process, right? You have to like actually create it and do something. You can't just I'm wishing for something and then you just you know, show up and act like a jerk and hope that it would be different. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a, um, there's a, there's a school of thought of people that is, if you have expectations, we get disappointed. Like that expectations ruin things. Well, that's a belief. Yes. So, so that, and what is a belief? It's just a thought you've practiced over and over and over again. So if you break that down and you think to yourself, well, that's not really my belief. That's just something I heard. And I just, you know, recited it over and over and over again. But what, what do I really believe? And what is an expectation? And what is the expectation that I have for myself? Because that's really where it starts. How I show up really sets a tone for everything else that's going to happen. So for the people that do have that belief that expectations, you know, ruin things or, or let set you up to be let down. Do you, what, cause setting an intention or is also a, a belief or a thought, do you have a, is there a way that you describe like that you could separate the two? Like, why is it different to prepare and plan? And that's different from just setting an expectation. Well, I ask people to re-examine that belief. And I mean, is that really your belief? And then people have to stop and ask themselves, well, I don't know. I've never really asked myself if it is my belief or it's someone else's belief that I just took on. And that's an interesting question that then people can become curious about for themselves. So, but expectation often is thought of as I expect something of another as opposed to what is, do I expect of myself? Like, how can I set myself up in such a way where I'm so connected to me and I feel so good about me that my expectation is that if I feel so good about me, I can feel so good about everyone else. And that's usually the case. And if I feel so good about me and everyone else, then only wonderful things could happen. Mm. And they usually do. Because I walk in taking full personal responsibility for where I am and who I am. And I allow everyone else to be where they are and who they are. Beautiful. Um, I want to talk about your book a little bit, uh, especially the part that I saw about having a, what is it? Having a love affair with yourself. Yes. What, yes. Is, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I think um, the first Big love is self-love. You know, we must love ourselves in order to 
to be able to love other people. And oftentimes we look for the love from another to define how we feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we get really dependent on everybody else. And we kind of lose sight of our inner being, inner knowing, inner connection with ourselves. We're constantly looking outside for validation instead of reaching inward and soothing ourselves into the connection that we have with ourselves. So we were all born with this inner knowing and sense of self-love and through contrast of just life, and there's tons of contrast out there, um, and the messaging that we get every day to look outside of ourselves to define who we are and where we are. I think that um, we forget sometimes that, um, you know, the relationship with ourselves is singularly the most important relationship that we'll ever have. What about, there's a, um, well, I'm thinking about like the love of the, like the love affair with myself, my, the, the affair is going to be very expensive. That side of myself wants very nice dinners and to go on lavish vacations. Um, <laughs> what about in, uh, you have a chapter called, there are only two reasons to look back. Right. And I don't think that we need to look back to move forward. So I spent a long time doing psychotherapy with people and it never felt right to me. Mm. I mean, why would we continue to ask people to look back and to look at the past when in fact people hopefully are wanting to move forward and create a future? So, you know, I think the only reason to look back is if you're going to look back and remember something that felt really, really good. Otherwise, if you're going to look back, I ask people to look back from your right here and now adult perspective. Because looking back from your now will change the entire story of what happened then. You're not small anymore. You're an adult. So at least give yourself the most current version of what happened then from your right here and now powerful perspective. Are you open? I'm curious about how all this plays into like your life. You know, you shared with me, mm -hmm. you're on your third or fourth life. Can we, can we, can I ask you sure. some like personal, how it shows up personally? Yes. So I was born with this knowing and very clear sense of who I was and was super rebellious and had these most amazing parents that really supported us in terms of anything that we wanted to do, um, but emotionally were not available to us. And I spent the first half of my life trying to figure out how I could be so connected to myself, but have no connection with my own mother. And it wasn't really until the last five days of her life, when she was in a medically induced coma, that I sat with her and felt all of her flow through her to me she was 100% available to me in a way that she had never been before. And I thought, oh my goodness, this was the beginning of our mother and daughter relationship. And then she transitioned. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, it was not that she was not connected to me. It was that she was never connected to herself. 
that she spent her entire life, and she had the most amazing life, sidestepping the most important relationship, and that was her relationship with herself. So it was such a wonderful opportunity for me to really heal the the relationship that we didn't have. And um, then I wrote this book, The Everloving Essence of Me. So um, I have always been able to hear my own voice louder and stronger than anyone else's. I am not easily influenced. I am impossible at times because I am so clear about who I am and so allowing of others to be who and where they are. Um, And I believe that the connection that we have moment to moment with ourselves, creating it and recreating it is, you know, that's, that's all we really have. What are you, how does it show up? You know, we shared that uh, you have with your like family, how does this show up as, um, I mean, actually, I want to say that what I'm going to say differently. I think that when or I'm learning that often the when we have like an expertise like you have a, a really strong knowing uh, a foundational practice that often we or people can um, try to get our family members to do these things that work for us or help them. You know, we know we want them to be better. They say they want to be better. And sometimes, you know, we'll put this stuff onto them. How do you be present as mother, nana, you know, or even in in a romantic relationship and not uh, need, you know, maybe your family to do things exactly the way you do them? Or do you need them to? It's called allowing. And when you are so clear about yourself and what you're wanting for yourself, then you are actually in the most unconditionally loving place because then you extend that same courtesy to other people. So I can be with family and friends at Thanksgiving and everybody is so different and everyone has their own ways of doing whatever they're doing and whatever they're doing it has nothing to do with me. And so I am able to just stay connected to myself and really extend that courtesy to others, just allowing them to be who and where they are. And that is such a lovely way to move about the world. It really, really is. It is probably the most fulfilling way because you're never disappointed, ever. You just feel appreciative to be in the presence of people and allow them to be who and where they are. And that goes for romantic relationships. It goes for grandchildren, children, strangers, you have no judgment. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. Is there a practice for that? Because I like, I, I love it. And I think that it's, you know, when I'm with my family, I would love to do that all the time. I would love to have no judgment to accept them exactly for exactly who they are. And I'm human. And at times it's challenging, right? Like I, I, my opinions show up without me asking them to, uh, my well, thoughts. So I think that the exercise is this. The moment you catch yourself judging another person, Mm -hmm. just laugh and Mm. remind yourself that you're disconnected from yourself in this moment. And that's fine. And laughter is a great way to express that to yourself. It's 
Because when we are connected to ourselves, we're not judging. We're not judging ourselves and we're not judging other people. So it's like momentary connection, disconnection, disconnection, connection. And which feels better? Connection always feels better. And when we're feeling good about ourselves and connected, we aren't judging. We're not judging ourselves and we're not judging anybody else. Mm. So go through your whole day in laughter as a reminder. And mind your own business. <laughs> That's the other thing. Because what other people are doing has nothing to do with you. It's not, it's not your business. You know, it's not. Your, it, it, go ahead. Sorry. Your, your business is you taking personal responsibility for yourself and managing your connection with yourself. And that's it. You, um... You have this like very, I mean, it's it's very calming and and peaceful, like knowing about like, hey, this is the way it is. Where do you get like tripped up or stuck or challenged yourself like right now? For me, it's always like time. So I'm I'm always terrified about being late. Like I haven't really <laughs> figured this thing out yet. Um, because when I was growing up, I was like the last person to be picked up from school and my mom didn't even have a job. You know, so I was like, she was late for everything. I mean, everything. She didn't even have a good reason for it, which is fine. So I'm early for everything. You know, I was always like the first person in the carpool line to pick up my kids. <laughs> and if I'm supposed to be somewhere and I get stuck like in a freight train or something, like a 10 minute freight train. I get tripped up for like just a second. Mm -hmm. And then I have to remind myself that to soothe myself into connection. I'm at that moment of panic. I am like disconnected. And then I think to myself, Oh my goodness, like this is ridiculous. I'm never late. Like maybe there's a really good reason I'm stuck at this freight train. Maybe I'm supposed to be avoiding an accident on the road. So I'm really good at like reframing something in a moment's notice and coming up with a reason that makes sense to me and soothes me back into connection. Mm. And it's a practice because really in a moment where we're in a panic, we really need to figure out how to self-soothe. Mm. I think that's a great point. People... Yeah, I've only learned about the process of self-soothing in the last few years. And I don't know that it's a common um, a common knowledge thing that we can actually do the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves as if, you know, we were that scared child um, or scared person, whatever it is. Um, when I, I shared the practice that I had sometimes where I would like just stop and lie on the ground and breathe – and I think that was the first time I self-soothed was anxiety, overwhelm. And I just lied down, put one hand on my heart, one hand on my stomach, which was just something I took from a yoga class and breathed. And all of a sudden it was like calming the voices, the fear, the anxiety, the overwhelm inside of me. Yes. And that's very real. And really, you are the only person that can do that for yourself. When it comes from the outside, it doesn't last. It's it, it's not long lasting. Mm -hmm. So when we, you know, we are our own greatest resource and we do not hear that enough, but it is 
from us to us, that all of that needs to happen. Our internal voice needs to soften and be gentle. We need to learn how to, or relearn how to self-soothe ourselves. All of those things, it comes from us to us. There's nothing outside of us. There is nothing out there. So tune in to yourself because you know, you don't even know why or how you know, but you know every single time, you know, for yourself, not for somebody else, just for yourself. And that's where that ego thing is. Who are we to think that we would know what's best for someone else? It's like ridiculous. So trust yourself, know yourself, love yourself, and mind your own business. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you know, it's a great, right? It's a great practice that in itself, like minding your own business in the sense of when I'm sitting there and I'm with my family and I have opinions and thoughts, like, what is it? Has it ever actually helped them <laughs> for me to tell them what I think they should do or my opinion of whatever? It usually creates an argument or a fight. It doesn't actually create the result that I desired. Um, well, what is the result you desire? I, I, well, usually I think it's whatever you think is the best for them. So healthy, like for me, it would be like, I want my family to be healthy, happy, um, uh, you know, getting the results they want in whatever okay, life. Because how would that help you? Um, I mean, I think we would, it would be, I guess it would just be more enjoyable, like to be together. Um, if people were not, were doing less complaining or less suffering and we were able to be in a, a space together where we were just all enjoying our lives and like multiple in lives that are happy and enjoyable coming together versus some that are and some that aren't. So it's really interesting because we learn at a very early age to be disingenuous. Instead of really being who we are, we're programmed from a very mm -hmm. early age to tell people what they want to hear. And so I have never with my children or grandchildren, um, said to them, you know, say your name, say hello, um, you know, prompted them to say things to other people so that um, I would look better because that's usually what happens with parents, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead, I've always just said, oh, this is Izzy, or I have said hello. And I've really encouraged my children to... Um, express themselves based on how they feel instead of how they think they're expected to feel. So if you were with your family and all they did was tell you what you wanted to hear, that would be a very disingenuous. And maybe you would feel better for the moment, but that wouldn't last too long. So what are the things that we really appreciate about the people in our lives that are genuine, that are very real, whether we agree or disagree with what they've chosen for themselves? It's a really a nice thing to think about every single person in your life and come up with one thing that you really appreciate about them. And if you only hold that thought every time you're with them, 
you really have amazing interaction with them. I love that. That's a, gr- a really great point. Um, I, uh, the book that I, I recently published is called Fictional Authenticity. And so you're speaking a lot about the, the programmed nature of our authenticity and, and you, how you were sharing that you don't do that. You don't ha- try to have them behave away for you, no, but you let ever, them be never. them. And I love how you just, because my intention is not for my family to be inauthentic, right? But I love that that piece that you point to is like, my, my, my desire for them is to be happy and joyful, but my dissatisfaction with them not being that way is a, is a reflection of me actually just wanting them to be a different way instead of just being with them for whoever they are, wherever they are, uh, which, yes. is, which is actually authentic. Authentic isn't just joyful and happy and good news and whatnot. It, it looks all sorts of different ways. Um, it does. It does. And so it's, it's nice to be able to re-examine all those kinds of relationships, especially before we get into the holiday, the Christmas holiday, and to figure out, like, once again, one thing that we can think about each person with appreciation. And, and show up with that kind of a spirit. Yeah. And that will make everything very joyful. I want to, um, before we wrap up, I really want to touch on the, uh, the quickie and you just okay. share what that is and, um, you know, how people could take advantage of that. Okay. So the quickie is a lovely texting option and it came about as a request from um, some of my clients, um, and it is uh, a, a texting option where people purchase blocks of time, and then they just text with me. And it's really interesting. The thing I love about the quickie is that um, as they're texting with me, they are really checking back in with themselves and using me as a conduit. And so they're almost answering their own question as they're texting me a question. (laughs) Um, And then I text them back an answer. And then they also have this kind of manuscript of the, you know, the the, the questions they ask and the answers. And it's interesting because people can only hear you in the moment from where they're at with themselves. So when they're able to go back and, and read some of the questions they've texted me and some of my answers, they're really able to see where they were in that moment because moment to moment, we're somewhere else. You know, it is only a moment. And so it becomes really fun. I think for people to see that they kind of knew the answer to the questions as they were asking the question, which gets people to really begin to trust themselves again. Like, you always know for yourself. You trip yourself up with this ultimate mind, F-U-C-K, but ultimately you do. You know the answers for yourself most of the time. So it's um, it's also great because people are busy. And when we text, we're kind of sidestepping the emotional component. And I think that really helps people a lot. So if people want to take advantage of this, what's the best way to do that? So I have a website. It's www.jamie-lerner. 
com, and everything is on the website. Awesome. And people can follow you. I'm going to throw out your Instagram. Yeah. And uh, it's on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. People it's, can, it's inspirational message every day. And you're everywhere. So people can follow you guys can follow Jamie Lerner. So it's spelled exact, almost exactly like it sounds, but Jamie, J A M I E, and then Lerner, L E R N E R. And you have a Facebook page, you have uh, Twitter, which is E L E O Y. Um, you have an Instagram, which is Jamie underscore learner. And then, and they can also find you on LinkedIn. And you've also done tons of podcasts. They can get your book on Amazon. It's also an audio book. Um, so there's just so many ways to like soak up the knowledge. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. And, um, uh, I, I feel like actually calmer like this morning, um, but just talking to you, I'm like, oh, this is like very like Zen, Zen, like peaceful, um, just like the, the way you speak and the way you carry yourself. And I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed having you here is um, the way you provide the suggestions or the advice or the tips, even when we were talking about me and my family is it's like so digestible. It's so easy to say, oh, I could like try that without it, um, without, you know, my ego or my defense mechanism trying to bump it away or push it away. It was like really easy to take in. Um, so thanks for bringing that to this podcast and sharing it with our audience. Thank you so much for inviting me and have a happy holiday. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.